Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, we come full circle on the roller coaster career of Nicolas Cage. We've gone from the highest of highs with Face Off to the emergence of his star with Vampire's Kiss, and then on to the waning days of that bright flame with Drive Angry. And today, gentlemen, we hit the bargain bin for one of his many B movies, albeit I found it to be entertaining in his vast catalog. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. Tonight, in what was going to be our final episode of Summer Rage with Nicolas Cage, we'll have a special announcement coming up. We are taking to the seas as we transport a priceless jaguar to Joe Exotic's Big Cat Sanctuary. That's right, folks. It's primal. Judging by your silence, you two assholes have never heard of primal (laughs) until I made you watch it. Uh, Wait, you mean like Primal Rage, like that video game? Like the prehistoric fighting game? Primal Rage, right? Uh, sort of. That 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 got a that got a movie. They made a movie of Primal Rage. I wish. Sign me up. That I wish awesome. that was it, but that is not it. No. Uh, no. Nope. No. Are you sure? Are you sure? I mean, the cat looks eerily similar to 1995-ish arcade graphics. Okay. Oh my god. Wait, but but can you pee on people? Because that was a key part of that video game. You could pee on people. I think it killed someone if you peed on them. Then yes, it uh, yeah. liquidated was them. Like, that was a fatality, yeah. I forget so that. So that's not uh, this, though. No, not this, no. This is, uh, I I guess it depends on what you fancy, whether this is better or worse than Primal Rage, but it's certainly in the same realm of mediocrity. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not a great though? endorsement. Not a great endorsement there. Because, I mean, 30 years on, we're still talking about Primal Rage, and this came out last year, and if I wasn't made to watch it for this pod, I wouldn't know it existed. Well, here's the big identifier. We're, as in us three idiots, are still talking about Primal Rage. I'm not sure most other people are. Okay, um, I will say, I believe this movie ran previews in, like, theater films correct like i think i saw the 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 trailer for this in a movie theater it may have because i know they had aspirations that this would be a bigger deal than it was and i do remember ign putting up the trailer like oh finally nicholas cage and a giant cat fight on a tanker (laughs) i think this might have run before rise of the skywalker what's uh what's a movie and a trailer was that stuff that happened in the before time? Yeah. Yeah. So there used to be this place that you could go with other people to watch a movie, like in the same like room my together. Couch? Like, like, yeah, but like a lot of couches for like a oh. lot of people. And then before the movie that you went to see, they would show like what would be effectively long commercials for other movies that were going to come out that you could also go and see at this magical movie theater place uh with friends family and strangers yes this is from the before time 
Nice. I still would not have seen this movie. Yeah, I, I saw the preview for this, and I'm like, I can't believe they made that. I'm like, ha, look at that. It's well, a boat, and it's Nick Cage, and it's a cat, and it's they made that in 2020. Wow, or 2019. We will have a question relating to to that later. Uh, but before we get way ahead uh, and frantically search our ship for an armed madman and a host of other deadly animals that we'd assembled to sell illegally on the black market, why don't we introduce ourselves? I am the Thunderous Wizard. Along with me are Captain Cash. Heyo! And the White Ghost himself, Chumpzilla. Welcome, loyal listeners. All one of you. Thanks. Hi, Mom. And Points Voter, you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at WriterTLK. Captain Cash, where can they find you? You can find me at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. And over to Chumpzilla, where is your live journal located these days? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. And also, as always, my live journal, my MySpace, and my Friendster. Hit me up, folks. Okay. Uh, and if you're in the market, he got his Falcon, so now he is selling a white Jaguar. He's out of the toy business. He's into the big cat business. Yep. Hit him up. Do not fuck with Carol Baskin, Jumpzilla. Don't, yeah. don't do it. Steer clear of her. She'll definitely already, kill you. I already swiped right. I don't. <laughs> I don't think it's a good sign that you're broadcasting from her basement right now. <laughs> you know. Um, hey, this uh, this toy thing worked out well, so I think big cats is the next thing, and I, you know, I, I see no problems with my plan. Fair enough. Smooth sailing from here yep. on out. Uh, so tonight, gentlemen, we are drinking Snowpaws Vanilla Milkshake Double IPA from Lead Dog Brewing Company. It clocks in at a robust 7.0 ABV, bringing together Dorado and Citra hops with an awesome milkshake flavor. Uh, I like it quite a bit. It does pack a punch. And you may need a few strong beers if you're going to sit through this movie. I guess we'll crack one now. Deal. I'm going to need all seven of these ABVs. Yeah, and uh, cheers to you. We'll just get this out of the way because clearly neither of you like this incredible, incredible, just tension-filled, cat-less, mostly, movie. (laughs) How many beers do you think it takes to sit through it? All of them? (laughs) I, I just no. It, it look. This is another one of those times where five minimum five. There's just there's not enough to this movie to warrant it being a movie. So you've got to find your own fun in it. Uh, so drinking is probably the way to go. Yeah, I think I would recommend having a couple of beers before you start the movie just to kind of get your mind right. And then four, it's not a particularly long movie, but I think four during it for a total of six would probably be appropriate. But I will warn you, you do run the risk of falling asleep watching this movie because it drags on. It's kind of dark. It's not particularly exciting. So if you're not on top of your A game trying to watch this, you might just kind of drift off after that third beer. So it, you got to watch out. Yes, you know, six so- beers can be dangerous here. So I think the key thing is it's five beers, but a nap beforehand. It's a nap and then five beers. Yeah, be well rested. Yeah. Uh, so I'm 
pretty close to you, Chumpsilla. I There's four paws on a Jaguar. I'd recommend four strong beers. Uh, and by the way, I chose this beer because when I first looked at the poster, I thought it was a snow leopard. So I was like, oh, snow paws, this fits. No, it's a white Jaguar. So my bad on that one. Uh, so wait, wait a minute. Is this actually the Gardner Minshew origin story? Could be, could be, yeah. Just saying. He could throw a white Jaguar clear over them mountains. That's a sports ball joke there, Captain Cash. You might not have caught that. I, I didn't. You, my, my joke was going to be something around uh, White Panther. I, I, I got nothing. Yeah, it's it. This movie is it, it is a cheap movie, which is it was made on the cheap. The Jaguar is barely in it, and for a movie about a murderous psychopath in a close quartered ship, it is surprisingly dull. Let's just put it that way. But I still liked it. Now. Primal, you can watch for free on Epics if you have that. Uh, Stars, Nicholas, I shouldn't have bought that second castle cage as big game hunter Frank Walsh. Sorry, can we just start calling him Frank Exotic? This would be easier for me. Sure. I mean, Nicholas Cage is set to play Joe Exotic in the dramatic series based upon the Big Cat Sanctuary, so I think that makes sense. You've got uh, Fomka Jean Grey Janssen as Dr. Ellen Taylor. Kevin Mystery Durand as Richard Loeffler. Uh, Michael, my character is absolutely useless. Imperioli as Freed. Yep, no other name, just Freed. La Monica, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Garrett as John Ringer. And then a host of people you will not recognize. Now, if you do not watch the CW uh, DC universe, you have no idea what that last one is in reference to. But he is crucial aspect of the crisis and several other crossover series and he gets his ass kicked in this movie wait who is he he was ringer he was like the head of the whatever agency those guys were working for the big buff dude big big buff black guy yeah okay yeah uh just fun fact he's a former slam ball player oh that's awesome yeah that's even better than him being the monitor and the (laughs) anti-monitor So, so yeah, so when I looked him up, like, what's that guy in? Because he, he was relatively good. I mean, I'll, I'll give that guy some credit. He he, he took this extremely seriously. And he's like, yeah, he's a famous <clears throat> famous American actor and former slam ball player. And I'm like, sweet, I have now seen a movie starring a former slam ball player. Former <laughs> slam ball. Yeah. Well, if, not if, currently if, slam ball. Slam ball former. lasted uh, one season. Captain yeah, Captain Cash. Cash, you might not recall this, but that was like the indoor trampoline basketball trampoline. league. Oh, I do recall yeah. this. Yeah. Okay, good. I was like, hey, like, if I was going to play a sport, this would be it. Sign me up. Yeah. Uh, he uh, he, and Kevin Durand, I said mystery because of Mystery Alaska, but Kevin Durand's been in a lot of stuff. He's, I forget his character's name on Lost, but he kills, what's the bad guy's name? What's Michael, whatever his name. You know, the guy that runs the island. He's a good actor, and he's good in this. And Nicolas Cage is even, to a degree, okay in this. But Ringer uh, and uh, Loeffler are like the two best characters in an otherwise pretty ho-hum acting film. I, I feel like, just to get this out of the way, I feel like they took two movies and smashed them together. And I read a review for this that basically said this movie takes a lot of stuff that we recognize and puts it in a blender. And then what comes out is just kind of a boring mess. That's sort of what this is. It's like, it's like a couple of different themes from a couple of different types of genre movies. They slam them together and it doesn't really 
pan out. It's kind of, you know, I don't know. It's, it's yeah. Die Hard on a boat with Joe Exotic and the Joker. And yeah, my biggest question about this movie is why are there people that are on, the only people in this movie are younger than 15 or older than 35? There is no between like there's no adolescence in this film. It's or young adults. It's all people who are way past what they should be doing movies like this and a child actor. And it's it's strange. It's uh, it's certainly oddly casted, but it's also I mean, like the set is the sets are painfully like cheap. Yeah, uh, it's supposed to be on this huge wide open ship and they go through the same four or five different rooms of this ship throughout the entire movie. And once they're on the deck and that must have been the most expensive shot of the film because it only lasts a minute and a half. And then you never see it again until the last 15 seconds of the movie. And it's yeah. in sun. And it's yeah. in sun. That, that that felt big. It was the first time in the whole movie it got light. Yeah, with other ships in the background, too. Um, I also feel like this movie suffered a bit from the speed to logistics problem. At any point in time, everybody was seemingly right next to each other on that ship. Nobody was more than like one or two right turns away from wherever they needed to be. Everything was very plot convenient in its location, in the interior, in the bowels of the ship. Especially for Loeffler, who seems to yeah. turn up at the yes. most opportune moments. He was the necessary. alien. Yes, yeah. he was the alien from Alien Isolation. He was always right there. And yet they can never find him, even though nope. Nicolas Cage emerges in rooms like literally five seconds. And presumably they're like across the ship. But anyways... This was directed by Nick Powell. Uh, hasn't done a lot of directing. He's actually been a stunt coordinator on a lot of big films. Born Identity, Cinderella Man, X-Men, The Last Stand, 28 Days Later, to name a few. This was his second directing gig, and I think some of the issues with the film bear out because of that. Uh, and seeing as he was a stunt coordinator, I was not really impressed by a lot of the action at all. No. I mean, it doesn't help that half of the action is animal-related action, and the animals that they are using, they've clearly imported from the PlayStation 2 version of Tomb Raider. So, like, I get it. Yeah, it, I mean, he had to work within his budget. And there are a couple cool scenes, and like I do with every action movie, eventually I'll ask about what the best action scene was, but we'll get there. Now, I don't know how much this movie lost, because I have no idea how much it actually cost but it did only make $84,000 worldwide now it was a foreign produced film Pimienta Film Co it was distributed by Lionsgate it opened in around 442 theaters and to Chumpzilla's point I think they had a much higher aspirations for it or at least they sold it as being better than it was because it did get trailers run with big movies in American cinemas clearly they probably sold the idea not the actual product, because this movie's not good enough to get a wide release. And I say that in the nicest way possible. It's not, a, but, uh, you know, it's 39% on Rotten Tomatoes, only got 33 reviews. You get more reviews, I would wager this is below 20. Because um, it isn't a good movie. Yes, I enjoyed it, uh, but it's a typical cheap B movie made on a budget that just happens to have a big star in it. I will say this, it was much, much better than 
a movie that had a similar release that we covered on this pod during John Travolta month, The Fanatic. Like, both bad movies, The Fanatic is almost unwatchable. This you can have four beers and be like, well, that was a thing I just did, and I don't have that much time back, but I didn't spend any money, so what the hell. I will wholeheartedly disagree there. Um, <laughs> you like the fanatic better than this? Better than this? Yes. Uh, the fanatic <laughs> was bad. I'm not going to argue the contrary there. But if I'm going to have a beer and watch a movie, that is much more watchable than this. Uh, I will say, I think why, in my opinion, is because the movie, it's more focused and it, uh, the fanatic that is, is more focused. It's a single narrative and you follow it. And it's just more, to me, it was more engaging. I, I connected with Travolta's character in that movie. Like it was easier to follow. Like I, I, I kind of, I, I related to him enough to want to watch the movie. It's not good. It's not a good character, but it was enough to keep me in it. And this one, it's more of an ensemble cast. Nick Cage just kind of sprinkled it in there with a bunch of other crap. And it's, this was tough to, to make it through. I'm sorry. I, I tried once and fell asleep and had to come back and watch a second time. It was difficult. The only thing I would say is it's not a better movie than The Fanatic, but The Fanatic is trying a lot harder. So when it crashes and burns, it's, it's going for something. Like Travolta is trying. Nick Cage, while he is acting here, is like this is the most I feel like Nick Cage has been Nick Cage that we've seen in a while where he's just he's fucking tired and he's just trying to do his job and no one's letting him do his job and he he's got bills to pay and fuck can we just get through this please yeah i the reason i i i say that this was better is because certainly the fanatic was trying to say something about modern fandom but it was also grotesque in, in the way it just had a, a guy who's you know basically torture a man with autism for the last mm-hmm. 15 minutes of the movie for no good reason whatsoever. And you're supposed to sympathize with which character you're not really sure because honestly, like it was just a gross movie. And, it, and this is just a stupid movie that has some entertaining. Yeah, it's easy. It's yeah. easy to sit through. You don't, it's not. It's not painful. I mean, in in a way that like it's not presenting painful topics. You know who the good guy is. You know who the bad guy is. It plays out. Yeah. Well, now I would argue that the twist does not work all that well in the fanatic, but I still find <laughs> or, that or to at be, all. <laughs> I, but I find it to be an interesting decision that yes, you are meant to sort of see travolta's character moose as the bad guy up until the end where they flip it and all of a sudden he becomes sympathetic because it turns out the real monster is the action star um you know that's that works for me was it executed well no Um, i still think it's interesting whereas this movie has nothing interesting to offer there is a twist in this movie and it's it's pretty standard uh action movie stuff it's he a, wasn't a bad guy all along. Well, no, it's no, like it's the, Freed. The, Freed's the twist. Like, yeah, it's the 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 government sucks. Oh yeah. no, shit. Oh, oh big, big shocker. Yeah, uh, the a government agency's up to no no good. There's skullduggery at play. Yeah. Shocker. Anyways, all right. Yeah, so mean, anyway, we're gonna get to the plot here in just a second. But how would you describe this movie in one sentence? 
This would be Joe Exotic's very bad, no good boat ride. <laughs> okay. Chumpzilla. Okay. Nick Cage and Famke Janssen star in the grim, dark prequel to We Bought a Zoo. <laughs> See, I went the prequel route as well because this literally felt like the prequel to The Secret Life of Pets 2 which features a white tiger being illegally smuggled by a villainous Russian man who works for the circus. So, in my mind, Nicolas Cage just sold him the white jaguar. Nice. Uh, the actual description, and this is telling because uh, it includes uh, some typos on IMDb. Oh, my. Frank's caught wildlife in, Bra- in the Brazilian jungle, including a 400 pounds white jaguar. He ships it on the same ship as an arrested assassin. The assassin breaks free and frees the animals. That's the description on IMDb. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, I mean yeah, that, that happens. I mean, that's that the, movie, the movie, but is it yeah. so much to ask that it's like competently written? <laughs> Come on, sell it with a four hundred pounds white drag, white drag. White. Yeah, I, I think a better description would be like you know Frank and animal hunters blah 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 crosses paths with the government trying to recoup an assassin and. Like they try to, they should try to make it more like a a crossed up deal. Like he comes across these people and hilarity ensues. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to save it until we start talking about the plot. But yeah. I've got a lot of questions about Frank's motivation throughout this thing. Good, because uh, as Chumpzilla would has said before in the pod, uh, he'll be disappointed. I'm sure if I take longer than a minute on this plot, and I'm most certainly not going to take longer than a minute. So we'll have plenty of time to discuss. Some of the shit that makes no sense. And here we go. Beautiful. Deep in the jungle, big game hunter Frank Walsh stumbles upon a rare white jaguar that's apparently 400 pounds if I trust IMDb. There's some talk behind the mysticism of the animal. None of that actually matters because the jaguar is not the villain of this movie. Though to be fair, a white jaguar is apparently more aggressive than a typical jaguar. So, I mean, there's some science here. Okay, all right, well... Because the monkey's eating your face if you, <laughs> if you apparently tried to pick up the baby monkey, I'm don't I, fuck with the baby monkey. I don't Everybody feel like that's that. steeped in any sort of zoological principle. Don't look. Don't fuck with the baby animal. That's just that's just a good rule. Don't get between a, a mother bear and her cub. Don't don't try to grab the baby monkey. Now what we're referencing here is the cook of the ship is violently murdered, like face eaten by a group of monkeys that Loeffler lets out of their cages, but that's the other hero there. Yeah, we'll we'll back up, yeah. Okay, so he catches the white jaguar, then what? Yeah, so as Walsh prepares to head to wherever it is he's going to sell this large cat, a team of government agents rolls up. They need to transport a prisoner back to the U.S. for prosecution. Now, stop me if we've heard this before, and we've already said we have. Richard Loeffler is really dangerous, like really fucking dangerous. (laughs) He's a loose cannon. And he's got secrets. Super secrets. <laughs> yeah. Shockingly, he escapes, murders most of the crew, and the government agents as well, and eventually has a knife fight with Nicolas Cage's Frank Walsh. That is the movie in a nutshell. Now, the knife fight is awesome because, one, uh, Frank Walsh shoots him with a bunch of tranquilizer darts and then lets the jaguar eat his lifeless corpse. <laughs> I just So here's my biggest frustration with this film. Frank's whole deal is all he's trying to do is get this Jaguar, which is going to be a big payout for him. 
If he brings this Jaguar home, he gets a million dollars or something. It, it fluctuates throughout the film. It's like a million dollars. It's a hundred thousand dollars. And there are multiple occasions where he has the drop on Loeffler, the bad guy, who is menacing the entire ship. Like, he just shoot this dude and doesn't. Why? He's got no motivation to bring this guy in alive. This guy is simply a threat to him and his livelihood, and he knows this dude is going to kill him. Why doesn't he just drop him? He ha- He has the chance, yeah. It would have saved him a lot of trouble because Loeffler winds up literally kicking his ass like three times. And and that's the other that's the flip side to it too, where it Loeffler is this he he gets in there and he's gonna disrupt the 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 standard social order. He's gonna murder the he's gonna he, he's gonna get in there and, and cause revolution and shit. Like Loeffler needs to look at at Frank, Nick Cage's character, and go, look, uh, I'll let you live. Just let me get off the boat. Yes, I thought about and, that as well. Like, and Nick hey, Cage is like, yeah, all right, fuck, get, get out of here. This isn't my fight. I don't give a fuck about you. Where's that inflatable ship that you know where the raft is? Could you just give that to me? And be like, yeah, sure. Like, I don't care about yeah, you. Fuck I want to sell this tiger or this jacket. Yeah. I still think the most offensive thing about this plot is the movie expects us to be shocked that the government's the bad guy. Well, and Loeffler is just like a, string like, oh! of, a string of government cliches. Like, he's the guy that was left in the line of duty too long, and he'd done all these things he wasn't actually supposed to do that were off the books, and when he lost his mind, they tried to kill him. Like, that's okay. his character. Here's my new thesis. Based on last week and this week, since 2010, any time a person is in a film with Nicolas Cage, where Nicolas Cage is the protagonist, they are the antagonist, they're trying to out-crazy Nicolas Cage. Look at that in both the accountant and the evil preacher from last week, and this week in Loeffler, where he is just bonkers, crazy, laughing, off-the-wall psycho. I think they're trying to outcage Cage. That's I, I I feel like there's some sort of deal within Hollywood right now where it's like, look, 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 are you gonna be in a movie with Cage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you gotta you gotta you gotta outcage the cage. Can you outcage the cage? If you're gonna get in the cage with Cage, it's no holds barred. Yami, you gotta you gotta bring it to the cage. Everything goes, including faking a seizure and biting a man's fingers off. Which he actually did. No, I'm just kidding. But to your point, Captain Cash, I also find it quite interesting that in both of these movies you referred to, Drive Angry and, of course, Primal here, Cage plays it relatively straight and subdued. That's what I mean. It's so weird. Where, like, he's just, like, it... In Drive Angry, he's playing, like, the hard, like, ah, you know, the the stereotypical, like, alpha male murderer, just hard-edged dude, where here it's, like, He's fucking tired. He's just trying to get his shit done. He's not a bad guy. He's not a good guy. He just wants to sell this fucking tiger and be done with it. Well, but they do actually go out of their way to point whether or not he's a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah. That's actually kind of a plot point in this movie. But yeah, for the most most part, he spends most of the movie, you know, drunk and aloof. Yeah. He's kind of hung over and like, fuck, is this still a thing? Uh, which is why I stand by. This is the most cage we've seen on television. I, 
Yeah, you know, for a guy who's playing a uh, wildlife, a black market wildlife dealer with really skewed screw like moral values, you'd think he would have went a little bit uh, zanier at times. Uh, I thought he was fine. Like, you know, as we said, it's not great. I enjoyed it. Uh, I think I think he's pretty good. He has some some good moments, especially just. Like he he doesn't have the patience and he doesn't give two shits for what the government is trying to tell him to do, which is also why it makes no sense that he just doesn't take Loeffler's deal and be like, all right, dude, yeah, I'll get you off the ship, because I'm cashing this chi- I'm cashing this cat in. Yeah, um, and so there's some moments there. The uh, action scenes with him are not good, not good. He looks the Listen. most tired during those. <laughs> I'll say this. In the four weeks we have done these various cage movie pods, it is very clear that Nick is always making acting decisions. Like, each one of these people are realized characters that behave a certain way for the most part, at least within the bounds that Nick is allowed to make decisions, right? Yeah. Uh, So Nick's a good actor. He's just – this is just a bad movie. The script sucks. Yes. And that's actually going to bring us to my question about the script. Because Dan Grodnick, who I guess wrote the first draft, optioned this script in 1995. This thing was being being kicked around Hollywood and obviously other places since it ended up being produced by a foreign company. Was it worth the wait? (laughs) What was the holdup? I mean, so Nick Cage at the height of his powers. If this came out in 1997 and Nick got to play washed up, I'm fucking over this, that could have worked. But I have seen four Nick Cage movies a year for the last 10 years. Yeah. I believe he's fucking over this. I, I think this movie works if, one, it has more money. It, it You need more of the cat. The cat should have been stalking people throughout the ship. This movie only works if... You're not only worried about Loeffler murdering you, you're worried about the cat. The cat really doesn't do anything in this movie. It murders Loeffler at the end. That's a big whatever it is, a kind of cool moment. And it uh, tries to attack the kid at a moment in the film. Other than that, it's just, it's not around because as you see with the CGI at the very beginning, it just wasn't, it, it wasn't in the movie's favor to show the cat. It's like a perfectly smooth cat. This does not have the digital fur technology that Cats 2019 had. Did is it just me or did it look like the bad guy from Kung Fu Panda 2? Yeah, Tai Lung, totally. Like anyway, Kung Fu Panda uh, Kung Fu Panda 2 is the uh the bird, the stork. Uh he's a peacock, thank you, and it's played by one Gary Oldman. Yes. Yeah. Wait, oh, that's the second one? The first one's the cat? Yeah. The first one's the cat. That's fine. Was it Was it a white cat? Yeah. I mean, it was a snow leopard, which is why we're drinking the... Which is why yeah, we're okay. drinking the snow The pole. first one. Uh, you'd okay. fetch a much so, higher price for a snow leopard. Just so, tell me, Frank. To, to your point here, Mr. Wizard, would this have worked better in the 90s? Well, here's the funny thing. Without knowing this had been a development hell since the, the early to mid-90s, um, I still felt like this movie's tone and the twists and the plot and everything they tried to do really, to me, felt like an episode of the X-Files. 
you have a vaguely supernatural cat element and then you had this like government conspiracy issue it's like it's some very early to mid 90s sensibilities that i just don't think translate well today and yeah granted nick cage was a bigger star than two but i don't think this was necessarily written as a nick cage vehicle no i don't either and this it does have a lot of 90s sensibilities a lot of the cliches about the government for one but the clear twist was Fomp Janssen being the turncoat. She's the one he establishes the relationship with. She's the one who uh, derides him for being kind of an asshole who's only looking out for himself. When I say Michael Imperioli is useless in this movie, he's got like six lines. He's in the background of most of his scenes. It's so pointless to make him be the guy that changes sides midstream. And I also find it very entertaining that he's like, one of his six lines is, oh, I was in the National Guard. So they throw him an assault rifle. I'm like, are you ready to kill? He's like, eh, okay. So hit Christopher from The Sopranos just being in the background, he's so recognizable that you spend the entire movie going, who's that fucking guy? I know that guy. What's his deal? He's supposed to be doing something. But as far as this thing being a 90s vehicle... This would have been better in the 90s because they couldn't have afforded a CGI Jaguar in the 90s. They did just got a Jaguar and dipped it in white paint and called it a day, and it would have looked better on screen. Would it have been better for the Jaguar? Probably not, realistically. Uh, but at the same time, look, we all saw Ghost in the Darkness, and that works because there are real fucking lions. This needed a real big fucking cat. True. Yeah. Uh, so... You guys did not like the movie, but was there a particular action scene or kill that you enjoyed? I found a couple that I found to be quite enjoyable. Listen, anytime you can have monkeys eat your face, <laughs> I, oh, I feel like that's a big win. The, my, my most frustrated part is this is very clearly a B movie. Very, very clearly. At no point is it striving for more than... Here's Nick Cage on a boat with some wild animals. If you're going to give us monkeys eat this dude's face, show me the monkeys eating this dude's face. Give me the gory, like, his face is peeled apart like a goddamn banana. Yeah, like, I, I agree. I agree. So, but still, things that were interesting, monkeys murdered a dude by his face was pretty good. That was definitely the most entertaining kill. I mean, a lot of them were pretty generic. Yes, very. I think that's cat, what I mean. Like, yeah, that stands out. I think the cat only gets like one, one kill before it gets slothler. It it slashes that one guy when it pounces on him, and that's that's, that's it, it, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So, to be fair, like it's kind of interesting because you expect a lot out of that cat, and you don't really get it until the very end and even then it's not particularly graphic um most of the kills are by the slam ball player and uh we're not really not not actually the slam ball player but it's, uh you know against the government guys yeah uh, by Loffler. Well, I mean, Loffler snipes a bunch of dudes the cat only takes out two guys i think in the whole movie yeah and like arguably ringer the main FBI, yeah, ringer, the, slam the ball. Main, yeah. yes the, the main guy is killed by Loeffler incredibly unceremoniously. It's like two shots on the inside of a minute, and he's just dead. There's no big fight. There's no nothing. It's nope. just pop, pop, 
and then he's on the ground. Pop, pop. It's done. Yes. And then, and then Christopher takes out a couple of guys too. Considering yeah. John Henry in the engine room, who literally fights him with a giant wrench, gets like a huge sort of fisticuff uh, throwdown with Loeffler. Ringer deserved more than. Essentially, Loeffler bursts through a door, shoots a dude in the face, and shoots him down the stairs, and that's it. Ringer's gone. Yeah. Um, that so that fight annoyed me to no end because you got the the older engine room guy. Was it Scuddy? Yeah, not helping. Scotty. Yeah, not Scotty. I'm gonna get. I'll do. I'll, I'll help you. And he's just he's running away the entire time. It's like it's one dude. Just cinch up his legs or something. Fuck. Yeah, dude, he's got a giant wrench. At least tug on his shirt when he jumps from the rafter to, like, just smoke him in the head. Instead, he's like, ah. He, like, tips him off. It's like, what are you doing, Scuddy? Oh. Uh, My favorite scene. Scuddy doesn't know. Scuddy doesn't know how to fight. Does not know how to fight or help anyone at all. Uh, My favorite scene is clearly the knife fight. It's equal parts terrible and fantastic. Nicholas Cage like skulking around behind like a bunch of crates as he shoots him in the legs with the with the, the uh, curare darts with the curare darts to like slow him down and then they get in this crazy knife fight and like this is probably Duran's weakest uh, aspect of his performance He's like oh I'm so tired oh <laughs> you you can't have your characters announce how they feel that makes me feel angry then he gets caught in the snare trap and he's like all right now i'm gonna let the cat feast on you and it's like i don't know maybe get it back in the cage too <laughs> you know hit that thing with a dart when this is all said and done when it's like rolling around belching after it eats this man alive so real, real uh, quick before we wrap up the whole plot thing why was it they needed to keep the dude alive? Like, what, what oh. information did he specifically have that no. they needed him alive for? No, 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 no. So the whole point was is that, you know, he was the Winter Soldier, basically. So, so yes, uh, uh, Jean Grey thought she was bringing him in for justice. Meanwhile, Christopher's like, no, 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 no. We just got to get we got to get the Winter Soldier back because we're going to use him again. Yeah. That was the whole thing. He... he they weren't really hauling him in so much as they were getting him back to home base. For reprogramming. For reprogramming, okay. yeah. And she thought he needed medical help. Like, hey, you know, you can't put this guy down. Like, he has severe PTSD and it's our fault and he deserves yeah. treatment. She was compassionate towards him, not realizing that he was the Winter Soldier. It, that's why it seemed like she was in love with him and she's the perfect person to then turn her back on Nicolas Cage. But... But, Mr. Wizard, this is a 90s script, so because she was the lead female protagonist of the film, she must have the weird interest in Nicolas Cage. I'm, one of them has a penis, the other the other has a vagina. Clearly yep. they're going to get together. So she has yeah. the weird sexual attraction to the big game hunter who's wearing the same pants he peed himself in three nights in a row after drinking way too much whiskey. <laughs> I mean, a... We talked about Nicolas Cage looking like he smelled like bourbon in the last movie. This one, it looks like he's he just reeks of B.O. and Dracar Noir. Where so, you're just like, ah. <laughs> so so, Captain Cash, I believe it was the Thunderous Wizard last episode that said that 
uh, Nick Cage's character looked like he just crawled out of a dumpster. And again, I will say, yes, I believe in this movie. He smelled like garbage juice most of the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I heard he, time. He appeared to, at least. <laughs> I think the the tone of, of where we're at now brings us to a good point for this last question. And it's twofold. Uh, did either of you have sort of a sense of sadness watching this old, disheveled, tired Nick Cage as he slummed it up? And not just even him, Imperioli and Janssen, too. And then the second part, after you tell me if this depressed you, because it certainly depressed me to a certain degree, do you foresee a Nick Cage comeback in the future? Now, I'm not trying to dismiss some of the very good films he has done in recent memory, but there's been a lot of rotten eggs. Listen, Kevin Durand is in a ton, so Loeffler, is in a ton of other things. Yes. And he's great in most of them. He's one of the more memorable parts of fucking the Wolverine movie, which was terrible. But him as the blob was pretty great. And everyone in this movie just, I don't get why they're here. I mean, I get money, right? But. This is a foreign produced thing that made eighty-seven thousand dollars. What what what's everybody do? Like the payday could not have been that significant. Well, uh, I think it was shot pretty quickly, so it wasn't like a lot of time they committed to either. It was probably a quick paycheck. Um like did they knock this out in like four days? Because okay, fine, but still maybe maybe eight weeks. Um so I'd say less, yeah. I bet you this yeah. is a month shoot. Yeah, so, I mean, that's it is what it is. Maybe there's some contractual obligations, old sexual favor, skeletons in the closet, who knows. But um, I feel like, again, to your point, Captain Cash, I feel like Cage sort of knew what kind of movie he was making. Oh, he clearly knows, because um, he's made so many other of them. Like, Yeah, well, Loeffler knew what he was doing, too, or, you know, Kevin Durant. I mean... I, although I think he's much, he was much better when he was still with the Thunder, but whatever. Um, so he, very, I, very I feel like I feel I like Kevin Durant go, when he went, when he moved to San Fran, I think he sold out, but whatever. Um, but no, I, I think I think there's a couple people having fun in this movie. I think there's a couple people having like taking this dead serious, and then I think there's a lot of people in this movie just kind of like cashing the check and be like, whatever. I'm in a weird, weird Nicolas Cage movie with a with a cat and monkeys. But um, to the bigger question here, does Nick Cage deserve to have a career renaissance? Mm. Yeah. You know what? Somebody and I'm going to I'm going to hear on a limb. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that much like Travolta, we need somebody like a Tarantino to reach out to Nick Cage with a legit Hollywood script and say, Nick, I need you in this movie. Somebody's got to come up with not a starring vehicle, but a movie that gives Nick Cage a role that lets him do what he's good at and and can use him as part of a bigger picture. So and I think Tarantino could still be that guy. I think Tarantino can write a movie that Nick Cage's sensibilities and strengths work in mm-hmm. that lets him be Nick Cage again in a good way. Um, but somebody's got to do that for him because it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in a national treasure movie. It's not going to happen in a B movie with an animal. Somebody's going to have to come up with something that he can do. Yes. And it's going to uh-huh. take somebody big. Uh, he, he needs a, a Denzel in training day 
is he the good guy? Is he the bad guy? And he gets to be the bad guy. Because think about all these movies we've watched. At no point is Nick Cage ever the bad guy. I think I'd like to see that. Well, I'm not going to spoil it now, but my recommendation really fits exactly what you just described. It just so happens the movie came out over a decade ago. Uh, I do... I'm going to tackle the second part first. I do think he'll have a comeback. I, I think... Obviously, he has to be in a better financial situation than what took him down this road of basically taking every script that came to his door because, honestly, he's not going to get a very serious look until he stops engaging in some of these sillier projects. But he has made really good movies. You know, in within the last five years, like Mandy, which was my recommendation last week, yeah, certainly it's a small-budget genre flick, but it's really friggin' good. Joe, small-budget indie flick, it's really good. He just can't keep doing stuff like this because even though I thought he was fine in this, he's too good to be in this movie. Imperioli, it was too good to be in this movie. Durand, same deal. Uh, now, I don't, you know, everybody's situations are different, but, like, Fop Janssen just looks bored here. Like, like what, exactly. What are, what are they all doing? Yeah, it, it's... And so, yeah, I was a little sad... She looked like an extra character from an episode of Jag. Yeah, also a little bit. Like, I mean, she was wearing. Was like she made shoes. up to? Why would? Why did she look so much younger than everybody else? Despite the fact she's not. Her her whole character was. Her like, eyebrows I, were too. Thin. She seemed young and idealistic, or at least like that's what her character was supposed to be. Right. Everybody and else was like 50. old and okay, jaded. I, I, Again, 90 sensibilities. Her dad had been in the military. She was a career military girl. But uh, she's not a girl. She's a grown-ass woman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, she's I, not that I, much I, younger than She was in her 30s 20 but, fucking years ago. But, but, but if, you, if you listen to the backstory she gives with Cage, it's indicated that she's greener than the rest. And it, 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 again, this movie's not well-written. But if you look at the hints the script gives you, you kind of get an indication of what it was originally meant to be. And yeah, it's to your point, you you nailed this on the head earlier, Captain Cash. It's casted in a very strange way. There's a huge age gap where I think originally this movie had meant to be cast much younger. Like I don't, I, I think that gap you recognized wasn't intentional necessarily. It was just the result of the names they got. But I think when this movie was written. A zillion years ago, I think it was meant to be a younger cast, and the backstories reflect that. I mean, fair enough. Like, if they'd have gotten some ingenue who was somewhere between the age of fuck, twenty-five and thirty, to be sort of the weird Nick Cage, not really love interest, love interest, that would be super fucking awkward. So it, good that they got someone at least near his age, but still. Well, if again, if you listen to her backstory and his backstory, they both complain about their parents. They're pretty old and long in the tooth to be whining about their parents to each other. Like, that's their biggest freaking problem in life. But that's the way the characters were written. Mm-hmm. So, again, with a younger cast, that probably makes more sense. Okay. But that's, that's like, fair. That's, yeah. that's the only backstory they really give us on the two of them. That's their motivations. She's trying to follow in daddy's footsteps, and he's trying to prove his dad wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, long story short, I I it made me a little sad. Uh, I've watched a couple of these types of cage movies, 
And I wasn't ever a huge Nicolas Cage fan when he was at the height of his popularity, but I have this big thing for when everybody decides to beat somebody down because the internet and Hollywood and everybody else, there's a, there's a huge thing about like to tear somebody down and then to build them back up. Like Affleck's a great example, right? Uh, like when he was popular, people want to destroy him. He hits rock bottom, he comes back, whatever. So like, I have this huge thing with, I want Nicolas Cage to, to have that moment. So I'm hoping he does. Because I, I don't want to watch him in something like this again, even though I thought it was mildly entertaining. Well, that's an interesting comparison there, Mr. Wizard, because I actually haven't heard people say a whole lot of bad things about him. Other than he's obviously got some personal problems and, and, you know, that, you know, that is what it is. Um, but his reputation professionally, I don't think is terrible. Is it not that I know of. I, I think I've heard nothing but good things about Ben Affleck. Yeah. Um, B Fleck Boston zone. Yeah. But cage in a similar vein, I don't think I've ever heard a bad story. I mean, he's, he's eccentric. Don't he's, get me wrong. he's a he's, weird guy. Sure. He's a weird yes. guy. Um, but not like in a predatory way. Um, I, I don't think I've ever heard a bad thing about Nick Cage Listen, or we, read a bad thing. Yeah, about Nick Cage. We've done a lot of research over these four movies and there will be a fifth. Dun, dun, dun. Over the, Boiler. these last few weeks. And the only thing that I, that popped up that I saw that was negative in any way was that he and Patricia Arquette, do not speak anymore. So I don't know what happened between them. They dated for a long time. They were married for a brief time, but that and that's you know that's subjective. So who knows if it's it, you know maybe they just they didn't get along anymore. So they don't talk anymore. That's the only negative thing I found. Obviously his spending habits not great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm I'm gonna not invent- great, but but Nick Cage spent money on a fucking castle and Action Comics number one. So. I'm kind of all in on the cage of spending money in a dumb way. Yeah, I, I can't question that spending because he spent money the exact same way I would have if I'd been right? trillions of dollars yeah. early in my life. I'm going to buy, um, buy a fucking castle. Maybe two. I'm going to venture a guess as to why he does not get along with Patricia Arquette. And I'm just going to assume that it's probably hot yogurt related. I'm just saying. Oh, for sure. Uh, Honestly, all, all life's problems stem from too much or not enough. Yeah, it's, it's one or the other. It's a very delicate balance. Uh, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna close out this first section of the show in just a second here. One thing I forgot to mention this: amongst his comeback projects, would you just give us an animated version of Superman Lives already? You've got the script. He was in Teen Titans. Yeah, he was in Teen, Teen Titans Go to the Movie as Superman, yeah. and it was good. So give us that animated thing and. Worst looking CGI felines, is it this white jaguar, the nightmare creatures of cats, or the ending of Black Panther with the rubber fight? Okay, look. We can bitch about the end of Black Panther as not being good, but there is a world of difference between it's a little rubbery and the nightmare fucking creatures of cats <laughs> that will haunt my very soul until I die. And the PlayStation 2 version of this fucking cat. So here's the thing. <laughs> Black Panther is off the table. That that wasn't great, but it, it, it was fine. Fair enough. The nightmare creatures of cats were deliberately designed to, like... I feel like 
they had enough money to throw at that that when it was done, they're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted everyone to see. That was my vision. There it is. Versus this, where they clearly did not have enough money. They did not have the digital fur technology that cats did. So I'm I'm gonna actually say cats was worse because cats had the money to do what it wanted and it still was fucking horrifying. This just looks like shit they didn't have enough money to, to actually get a CGI cat. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna take this the other direction, Captain Cat. Oh, they yeah. say oh, that all right. that uh, cats uh, is off the table for me because you don't get something that weird because you weren't trying. They they swung for the fences, as you would say, and that's what they got. They really did. Um, yeah, I can't fault them for not swinging. Yeah, it's, that was not for a lack of effort. That's what they wanted. They said, yes, this is it. Go with it. Um, this movie had budgetary issues, obviously, and I think it shows. And, and uh, yeah, it's not good. But I can't fault it for that because that's exactly what this movie was going to give us. That is par for the course. Whereas... In the Black Panther, it's not a cat. It's the end of the movie. It is the climax. It is a movie, part of an enormous franchise that had a pretty high bar for quality. And they just came in just a hair over what was necessary to be, I think, okay. Um, without making it completely laughable. And this is a movie that was nominated for Best Picture. So It did make a billion dollars. And it was a good movie. It and, was and a, it's an exception. No, granted, did good. And they did know it was going to make a billion dollars. Let's put it. I mean, this this was not probably on paper a billion dollar movie when Ooh. it was being made. Um, but still, I find that that CGI climax inexcusable. That was 2002 Spider-Man rubbery bad. There is prior art that says there's a better way to do that. We've already seen better hand to hand combat uh, climaxes in a Marvel movie. And somehow this one didn't hit that level of quality. And I, that's an excusable in my opinion. So yeah. I'm going to give that the nod just based on the history and the context. I'll excuse the cat in primal. Okay. So this is, this is actually kind of funny because we're all going to basically split here. Uh, I agree. Black Panther, uh, the end fight is inexcusable mainly because there's no need to have any CGI there. Just put them in suits and have them have stunt doubles fight. Like, it looks so bad, and there's movies that have way more intricate stuff going on that look far better. Like, you yeah, go... Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to jump in here. The Winter Soldier. Yes. You've got The Winter Soldier. But, uh, the end of that movie is hand-to-hand combat fight with CGI, yes. with some stuff, and it's so much better. And how many years was that before we got Black Panther? Okay, sorry. Pretty. Uh, Smallville fight, Man of Steel. Another example. A lot of CGI, a lot of practical effects mixed in, and the things that were happening in that are so much more intricate and complex, and they don't look just... I mean, it, it didn't look right, but it is not my choice. I forgive this movie because it is cheap, and if you do what you can with the limited constraints that you're presented with, I can't fault you for that. This goes to Cats. Now, if you follow us on Instagram, then you know that I bought Cats recently, and I rewatched yes. it. Yes. <laughs> There is some things in that movie that are inexplicably horrific. And an example would be when Idris Elba's character, McCavity, takes off his coat. Uh, just cat body, McCavity, 
is something that is so nightmarish, you will not soon forget it. If you have children, never show it to them. It will haunt their dreams for years. His head is just floating there. It is absurdly bad. And for that reason, my choice has to be cats. Mark you Ruffalo wait. style? Yes, it Your is. children wake up in a cold sweat. Yeah. Ah! Ah! It's yourself a McCaffrey! Yeah. Ah! 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 Um, no. um, I still love I, cats, I, though. <laughs> I'm still freaked out by the tuxedo cats. For whatever reason, that white stripe down the tummy weirds me out. They look extra naked. There, there are some cats in there that the faces are, for lack of a you know, a, a even better term. It's just haunting. I long for 2020 where the darkest thing that happens is the home release of cats. I, I, I wish we lived in that world still. Uh, don't I mean, so basically the world we live in now, still the worst thing. That's uh, still the worst thing? Okay. Still the worst thing. Um, I would disagree with that point, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have our Rage with Cage official Nicholas Cage quiz. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. I am your host, the Thunderous Wizard, and along with me, as we said before, are Captain Cash Yo! and Chumzilla. Welcome back, loyal listeners. So we are in uh, what was supposed to be the final Nicolas Cage-centric quiz, which is why I made it related to Nicolas Cage as a whole. Uh, but we'll announce now that we're going to do a special bonus pod with a returning Mayor McCheese who has promised me that he won't take a mid-flight nap during Con Air. I believe that not at all. I believe Cyrus it, the virus yeah. does not buy it. Yeah, I, uh, I'll believe that when my shit turns purple and smells like rainbow sherbet. I believe a wise man once said that. So this is the Rage with Cage quiz. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Some are true-false. There's an over-under. Some are multiple choice. To buzz in, simply channel Ahmed from Community and say, I'm a cat. If you saw the episode where he studies Nicolas Cage. I'm I'm a cat. I'm a cat. So, are we ready? I'm a cat. (laughs) Meow. All right. Number one, over-under. Amount of Nicolas Cage movies that he starred in in the year 2019. I'll set the over under at four. I'm a cat. Captain Cash. Under. Ooh, incorrect. Shit. Yes. Uh, I'm a cat. I was going to take the over. Yes, it is six movies. Six. Oh my God. What? What yeah. are? Can you? Can you? Can you give us what are the six? I will Primal, give you obviously. What the six are. I will also, as I am looking this up, note that I did the math when I was bored one day. I counted every movie he's appeared in since the year 2010. Roughly 41% of his 93 film filmography was made in the last 10 years. Now, he's been acting since like 1982. So... <laughs> He's been hard at work. That's a lot of checks. Yeah. Uh, listen, I at no point do I feel like he ever just phones it in. He's clearly being a character every time. So I can't... Yeah. 
You know what I mean? I, like, I, yeah. I'll, I'll go back to my point. Not everybody's going to be Daniel Day-Lewis. You can't spend your entire life doing prestige movies and stuff. Like, not every guy gets that career. Now, he's taken it to an extreme, don't get me wrong, but I'm not knocking it. He was never going to be that guy. So, which, uh, which is fine, which yeah. is fine. But you know, you know what? He, he shows up to do his job every time. He, he He's not pulling a Bruce Willis where he's the same fucking guy every time and he cares less and less, basically, uh, since the fifth <laughs> element. He's, he's getting into that territory. But hey, man, those castle payments are not going to make themselves. Well, Bruce Willis, true. Uh, he is, Chumsell uh, is right. He's getting eerily close to the Bruce Willis Hey, remember when I was John McClane? Yeah, I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> Territory. Like, seriously, since The Fifth Element, show me a movie Bruce Willis has given a fuck about. Doesn't exist. Yeah. So Glass. Uh, nope. Quick Amendment. Nope. I haven't seen it, but I heard it was really bad. <laughs> yeah, same uh, here. It's I, 98 he... movies. 98 movies. So 41% of his 98 total movies that have been released Fuck to date me. released in the last 10 years. And in right, 20, well, that's like, what, 40 movies? Yeah. Jesus. 20, well, okay, what were the six in, in 2019? That's what I want to hear. Okay, so in 2019, he released A Score to Settle, Color Out of Space, Running with the Devil, Kill Chain, Primal, and Grand Isle. Yep. Jeez. So, six movies. <laughs> So I had heard of one of those before you made me do this fucking pod, which brought me to two. So he went essentially one for six in 2019 because Color Out of Space is good. And I'm at the point where I would prefer, as I mentioned earlier, why don't just make two really good ones? Maybe make a Color Out of Space and make a the movie I'm going to recommend later. Listen, two two movies a year is not going to pay for a castle. No, and I did I did do some research on his finances, and essentially, he was spending upwards of fourteen million dollars a year on just maintenance of all the properties he had accrued, which Not would have me. mean which would mean he roughly had to earn twenty eight million dollars a year to just sustain his current lifestyle. So I I just want to say something before like. Yeah. We should we should set aside the the finances because we talk around this, but it makes me so sad that he had to sell his copy of Action Comics number one. Like I, I think he sold it for one and a half million dollars. And yep. And as someone who like I know he loves Superman, he named his child Kal El. Yes, as did I. I just I feel so bad for <laughs> like. Can you imagine how much that had to hurt him? To sell that, he bought uh, it for 150 grand, so he made a pretty good return on investment. Uh, that doesn't matter when you have yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, like that had like that. That wasn't great. He made nine hundred thousand dollars. I guarantee you that cost him just a little bit of his soul. Do you know yeah. though that that had been stolen from him and missing for like eleven years, and then it was recovered and returned to him? So like somebody had stolen it. It had been like traded on the black market for and gone back and forth for eleven years, and he got that comic back, and he still had to wind up selling it, which sucks. Which actually, to your point, Captain Cash might have lessened the blow a bit. He maybe he was already accustomed to not having yeah, it, but maybe. I, but still, I, I think go back to that earlier comment about the animated Superman Lives. I do think that that is a key juncture in in his career that. Had we gotten that Tim Burton Superman movie, do you think Nick Cage's career goes a slightly different route? 
Mm, I yes, don't know. because he was... I mean, he still got paid for those. But if that movie is a hit, and honestly, it would have been defying all odds to be good based upon what we know yeah, about well, it. Yeah, it would have been super bizarre, yeah. Then he's I mean, the face of a generation. That's that's the thing, though. I he, just think, me- mentally, does that put him in a different place? If he just gets one Superman movie, uh, does that... He change? got it. It's Teen Titans go to the movies. Well, from what I understand... Much later. The internet abuse does take a toll on him. And it and honestly I can't blame him for that because it would suck to every time you see your name it's something mocking you in some way. But the Superman stuff in general really took a toll on him because it was a passion project. He did name his son Kal-El. He loved the character and to have it all blow up like that and then him become an internet joke for that reason where it's just pictures of him with no context in costume tests and people are tearing him down that's got to be rough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we've said it many times. I mean, he is an actor that makes choices and sticks with them. He's he's creative in that way. He he looks at the characters and and, and does a lot of that in his own head and then tries to put it on screen. I, I don't know if it would have been good. I'm not going to lie because Superman is a, a tough character. Um, and he, he, the bar is pretty high after the Donner movies, frankly. Mm, um, and, and, and in terms of the core of the character. Um, but I, that's something I want to see or would have wanted to see. I think Cage mm-hmm. would have given it a hundred percent. It would have been his take on the character. It's something he cares about. So I think he would have done his best to do it justice. And let's face it coming off those Batman movies. I think at the time, nobody had more street cred when it came to comic characters than Tim Burton, which I mean, is that, wild. Cause he fucking hates comics. Right, and it would have been really, I think that would have been really weird in a good way, but we never got it. I trusted 1995 Tim Burton with my life. He was I, he was a very, very good filmmaker. He still makes very good movies today. I, obviously, he's made some where he's just going through the motions. Cough, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, but 1995 Tim Burton, I think he could have pulled it off against all of John Peters' tremendous odds. Fuck you, John Peters. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> All right, now, back to the quiz. Number two, this is true or false? Oof. There's a quiz? Yep. A naked... What happened? I blacked out. <laughs> true or false? A naked home intruder once ate a fudgesicle at the foot of Nicholas Cage's bed as he slept. I'm, I'm a, a vampire. I'm a, I'm a kitty cat. Okay, I gotta give it to it. Captain Cash. Damn it. I'm gonna say no because it was hot yogurt. No, uh, I'm, I'm a cat. I'm a if, cat. If it That's was true. hot yogurt, he wouldn't have kicked him out. It is true. Oh, damn it! Yeah, uh, I knew that. I knew that. The quote is: "I opened my eyes, and there was a naked man wearing my leather jacket, eating a fudgesicle in front of my bed." I know it sounds funny, but it was horrifying. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, wouldn't it be? <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and after and after Fred Durst heard that story, he wrote the fanatic. It's like, wait, I gotta. Ooh. Wait a minute. Basically, There's a story right. here. Um, yeah, right. I mean, come on. I mean, it's very similar. Number three. Now, this is a multiple choice, and it is more bizarre Nicolas Cage facts. So which of these bizarre Nicolas Cage facts is true? A, he once slept in Dracula's castle. B, he once accidentally purchased a stolen Tyrannosaurus Rex skull. C, he purchased the supposedly most haunted mansion in the world in the hopes of channeling its energy to write a horror novel. D. He once tripped on mushrooms with his cat. 
or E, all of the above? I'm a cat. I'm a tripping on mushrooms, kitty cat. Captain Cash. Uh, it would be E, none of the above. They're all fucking true. Yeah. Yes, that is correct. They are all true, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about each of them. When he was filming Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, Idris Elba recalled an incident on location in Romania that exemplifies Nick Cage's professional commitments. Noticing Cage appeared tired one day, Elba asked if he had gotten any rest. He said, yeah, man, I went up to to Dracula's castle, the ruins up in the mountains, and I stayed the night. I just had to channel the energy, and it was pretty spooky up there. Hold hold, hold up. I, I feel like the bigger issue here... Idris Elba was in fucking Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance? Apparently. I didn't remember. Oh my god. Like I listen, I I, I never saw that movie. Uh, like, cavity uh, gets around. Apparently. Jesus. Uh, okay. So so honestly, that's the one I thought wasn't true. That well, was the there one. was there was no way Nick Cage, dude who buys two castles, doesn't spend a night I, in well, Dracula's I thought, castle. I thought that was like the misdirection there, because the other ones actually had read or heard the stories before but that one i was like well that, maybe that's it because it sounds it sounds like it could be true but i figured one of them had to be fake uh, he once paid two hundred seventy six thousand dollars for a tyrannosaurus rex skull at a 20 uh, at a 2007 auction it was stolen he had to return it quarter uh, of a billion dollars just flushed down the toilet yike a million quarter of a million quarter of a million excuse me but Sorry. still Matt. Yeah. It, it, is it just me, or does Nick Cage sound like he's trying to furnish the Batcave? That sounds like a Bruce Wayne purchase. That just is. Saying. Well, he does have Holy a transport Is he Batman? Yeah. I know. That's that's the joke. That would explain uh, a lot. The, yeah. the Laura Lee Mansion in New Orleans in 2007 is what he bought. It belonged to serial killer Madame Delphine LaLaurie. I lost sure. it in foreclosure, 2009. Shocker. And uh, he told Vanity Fair, I didn't get too far with that novel. Oh. And lastly, when he tripped on Sad. mushrooms with his cat, he appeared on David Letterman in 2010, and he said he owned a cat named Lewis who enjoyed partaking in Cage's stash of magic mushrooms. Uh, finally, Cage decided he should have some too. Quote, I remember lying in my bed for hours, he said, and Lewis was on the desk across from me from the bed for hours, staring at each other, not moving. But he would stare at me, and I had no doubt that he was my brother. So wait, like... Mushroom, <laughs> mushrooms. I could eat mushrooms for hours. Am I to infer from that story that Nick Cage had a stash of mushrooms that he did not originally intend to partake in himself? Like, he's like... I had these mushrooms and my cat liked to eat them. So one day I thought I should eat them too. Like, wait, why did you have the mushrooms in the first place? Were they always for the cat? I, I Apparently, you know, his cat just liked to trip. And I, I mean, if they were brothers, is Nick Cage's fursona a cat of some kind? Because well, we've already established he's made movies with cavities. So yeah. that's fair. I mean, just go. saying. All right. Number four, multiple choice again. What is Nicolas Cage's highest grossing film worldwide ever? All right. Is it A, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? Is it B, The Croods? Is it C, Gone in 60 Seconds? Is it D, National Treasure Book of Secrets? Or is it E, Face Off? I'm a cat. I'm a kitty cat. Captain Cash. I'm going to go B? I think B. It is The Croods. 
Which is depressing. Because that that movie I've seen on Netflix, it's not great. It's fine, yeah. It's It's fine. It made about 500-something million worldwide. I was going to go with the National Treasure movie. I thought those made a ton in China. Well, Spider-Verse is legitimately a great film, though. When National Treasure, Gone in 60 Seconds, and Face-Off came out, the Chinese market was not the insane cash cow that it is today. So they probably would have made more than the Crudes, but they didn't. Fair enough. Now, piggybacking on that, you're down 3-1, to Jumpzilla. Ouch. Of this particular group, which was the lowest grossing film worldwide of Nicolas Cage's career? Is it A, Red Rock West? Is it B, Season of the Witch? Is it C, Valley Girl? Is it D, Raising Arizona? Or is it E, The Weatherman? I'm a cat. I'm a kitty cat. Chumpzilla. Season of the Witch. Incorrect. Shit, that's what I was going to guess. Uh, you know what? Raising Arizona. That was my, that Incorrect. Was my next guess. You both Damn. missed. It is wow. Red Rock West, which grossed just over $9 million. So four of those movies are excellent movies. Season of the Witch, which is a hot piece of dumpster shit, uh, made $91 million worldwide. I what? still have not seen that. Yeah. I don't believe that. I don't believe that for one. That's a lie. I'm telling you. That's another one of the white man's lies. I don't believe that for a second. I'm telling you. Uh, it, that's the one with Ron Perlman, right? Yep. I still haven't seen that. Man, I, I will say this, You don't man. want Ron, to. It's terrible. Ron Perlman is in a lot of terrible crap, too. $91.6 million on a budget of 40 Look. so it was actually kind of a hit. Because they, they did not spend a lot on marketing that one, so yeah. I am the easiest lay for, like, steampunky, not quite that uh, fantasy horror genre. Like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. So what what was that crappy movie with the cities on wheels? Oh, uh... Oh, uh, yeah. Immortal Instruments? Mortal Instruments? Mortal Mortal, Instruments. Yeah. So did that work for you then, Captain Cash? Because that was, like, complete shit to me. Visually, it was very pretty. I enjoyed the fuck out of that part what of it. What a stupid but, movie. Uh, the world's running out of resources, but we've built these giant cars. Uh, How okay, does that okay. make any sense? It doesn't at all. <laughs> and it, it's this, the second you start to do, how does this make sense? You've already lost. That's, I feel like, I feel like thermodynamics that, are thrown out the window there. Yeah. It's uh, not that kind of movie. <laughs> okay, yeah, moving on. Kind of so we're moving now on. three to two with two questions to go. So you're still alive, Jumpsill. And this is actually my favorite question of the quiz. Nicolas Cage has appeared. This is multiple choice. Nicolas Cage has appeared in multiple comic book movies. Kick-Ass, Ghost Rider, Spider-Verse, Teen Titans, etc. But he could have appeared... In this now staple of superhero cinema, had he not turned down this role? Was it A, Skeletor, B, Superman, C, Raimi's Green Goblin, D, Iron Man, or E, the Scarecrow? I'm a cat, I'm a cat, I'm a kitty cat, Scarecrow. Chumpzilla, you are incorrect. Damn, I know know the real answer. It's got to be Iron Man. It, it has is to Iron, be Man. Iron Man. That is also incorrect. It was Raimi's Green Goblin. Was what he on the sh- Was he on the short list for Iron Man? Yes. Okay, but he I, formally I, I, turned down Green Goblin. See, and, I knew he, I, I knew he didn't turn down Iron Man, but 
I'm shocked it was Green Goblin. He was going to I... be approached to play the Scarecrow in Batman uh, uh... Unchained, which was supposed to be the sequel to Batman and Robin. Right. Obviously, that was canceled. Uh, so. See, I thought he was. See, I thought he was offered, but it never happened. Okay. Yeah. So Raimi's Green Goblin. He said no, no shit. I. You, you got to be kidding me! I did not know that. I literally did not. I knew the Iron Man thing. He was considered. And I knew about the 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 Batman Unchained. I I, I thought that was oh man okay. Yeah. I don't think oh man I don't know you can stack him up against Defoe though. I think that's a, that's he a goes, tough call. It's a different movie. It's a different movie. If you I think don't he would have been Defoe, cool, but he's also not at all. It he's not as good at playing. Uh, the, the way Defoe is able to be disarming. But still be a total asshole before he that's goes it. insane. Yes, that's a that's not a balance he's particularly good at. Not to say that he's not a great actor, but it's no, just I, not uh, the it's just not uh, his forte. I don't think. Well, I, I you know both of those guys have very emotive faces. I will say that's that. True. Yeah. Um. In in different ways, in different ways. But I will give this to Defoe. Uh, he is a Wisconsin native. Mm-hmm. Um. I think part of that disarming nature is his Midwestern, you know, background, which I think allows him to be a little more casual, uh, in a way that cage doesn't necessarily pull off. Willem Dafoe to me just seems like he's the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen the movie, the Florida project? I have not. He, that's what I imagine Willem Dafoe is. He's like this really benevolent, super, uh, He's just really he he's really nice. It's like, oh, this is probably Willem Dafoe. Yeah. So if you're done blowing Willem Dafoe, yes, are we yes. gonna wrap up the rest of this? Yes, we'll wrap it up. Odd. All right. I love you. Well, Willem. I mean, have you seen him in drag in uh, the Moondock Saints? I mean, come on, it's a little. He's dumb. a handsome man. He's, he's very alu- very alluring. You know, it's, anyway. you know, it's weird, is that people used to think that movie was really cool, like super it really, cool. Listen. Yeah. At, as someone who was in his late teens in the late nineties, yeah. I understand why people thought that was cool. And looking back, I look, all of us were in our late teens at some point. Yeah. I mean, I knew that was people's favorite movies that I like, that was their favorite movie. People I know. And I'm like, this movie sucks. I never well, like, I know, just thought it was bad, but now it just has very this- questionable themes. <laughs> Well, we should have brought this up on the Drive Angry Pod because, uh, yeah, that movie didn't get a theatrical release for reasons, uh, Columbine. And so... Was that why? Yes. And so when I I finally saw it, we were all in college, and some of our roommates and and friends thought it was great. I'm like, okay, well, I got to see this movie then. Yes, I agree with you, Thunderous Wizard. It was... It was schlocky B movie material. It wasn't great, but I think it did play to that edge lord, uh, hard R for the sake of an R, mid to late teenage type sensibilities of a movie. Like it, it was basically drive angry with an Irish brogue. So, yeah. Yeah. um, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't great. It wasn't great, and people romanticized it for all the wrong reasons. Which is why the studio didn't publish it, or excuse me, which is why the studio didn't release it after the Columbine shooting. When your like big joke in the first ten minutes is about beating women, not great. Yeah, no, not great. Let's finish this quiz. Yeah, and, moving on. And, uh, first, and first, this two. is also a, a question I enjoyed quite a bit. In 2017, 
Japanese cinemas created a snack with Nicolas Cage adorning the package to promote his film Army of One. What was the name of that snack? Was it A, the Nicolastic? Was it B, Crunchy Cage? Was it C, Pocky Cagey? Or D, Doria Cage? Ooh. I'm a cat. I'm a kitty cat. Meow. Pocky Jump. Cage. Incorrect. Damn! Uh, what, what was D? D was Doria Cage. Doria Cage. Yeah. yeah, it is Doria Cage. Incorrect. Damn it! You would technically win by default because you guys both missed the last two questions. It is the Nicolastic, and I'll put this on the social Nicolastic. media. Nicolastic. The deluxe. Really? My boo, Nicolastic. Uh, this was done without his permission, and they had to apologize. Also, why the hell they were putting him on a snack from this like bizarre, like really small movie that nobody saw? I have no idea, but they did. What was the snack? Uh, I think it was like a corn chip. Like a, like a, yeah, something like that. Like a corn nut. A corn nut, yeah. So. Well, I just, I've got a lot of questions. Oh, dang it. I even had another option. It was Dango Keijo. <laughs> wait, wait. I, I'd have known that was bullshit, but <laughs> so, Doraya Cage was, was good. Well, I mean, so what's that translate to? Is a, a resident Japanese expert, Captain Cash? What's that last one? These are different to? Japanese snacks. A couple yeah, of them so like like Doraya is a is a kind of when you use Doraya, it's it's generally meant as it's kind of like a pancake with uh, red bean paste in the middle and dango cage. Wait, well, those are like those it? little rice popsicles, right? Yeah, well, they're not popsicles. Not popsicles, but, but not po- uh, it's, it's it's mochi rice on a stick. Sticks, yeah. So, yeah. and what was what was the pokey one then? You no, know, pocky would totally have worked. That, that a, actually was going to be my right? guess. The, the, yeah. the wafers dipped in chocolate kind of. Yes, exactly things? correct. Okay, yeah. That's the only one I recognized. Okay, no, sorry. that that was going to be my guess because that sounded fun. I was just going to make stuff up, but I'm like, you know, I should use real Japanese traditional snacks. That was a good quiz, uh, Mr. Well Wizard. It invoked a lot of questions so, outside of the questions. You're the Still winner. Still proud that uh, I, I won. Thank you. Yeah. The good news Congratulations. Is you, you win uh, what remains of Richard Loeffler's uneaten corpse. I'm going to ship it to you. It'll be there shortly. Uh, Excellent. Yep. It's, it's just preserved. <laughs> you're just sending me cat poop. Yeah. That's fine. It's actually just uh, preserved cat poop. White That's jaguar fine. poop, though, so it's worth something. Well, that's true. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back. We're just doing recommendations. And then we're going to not only talk about our bonus cage episode, which we already mentioned, Con Air, but what we're doing coming up. We'll be right back. Hello, and welcome back to the final segment of this episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. I am the Thunderous Wizard, and just again, you can find the show at Hops and B.O. Flops on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find myself at WriterTLK. Captain Cash, where can they find you? C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media, but please make sure to like, follow, share, subscribe. Us. And Chumpzilla, when you are not cleaning the big cat sanctuaries at Carol Baskin Zoo, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. And on Friendster, MySpace, and of course, streaming live out of Carol Baskin's basement. All right. Hey, you there, cool cats and kittens. Also, leave us a review if you enjoy the show. 
preferably on Apple Podcasts because that seems to be the predominant platform. So we're going to do recommendations. Uh, we can start with you, Captain Cash. What do you recommend that our viewers watch instead of this delightfully bad B-movie? As it was posed to me, this round-the-horn, cage-centric, wrapping it up, name the cage movie you like, and I cannot think of a better cage movie than fucking Into the Spider-Verse. This is potentially the best Spider-Man movie. You've probably already seen it, but if you haven't seen it, please go watch Into the Spider-Verse. It's everything I wanted out of a Spider-Man movie. I cannot recommend it enough. And we're getting a sequel next year. Boy, I hope. No, we are. They, do they started... No, I, I, oh. Let me... You're all assuming that next year is going to be oh. a thing. I'm just, I'm not there oh. yet. Well, they officially started work on it, I think, a, yes. four or five days ago. So. I sincerely hope movies are a thing a year from now. Hey, you know what? Regardless of the movie theater, which is that place we used to see movies in situation, mm-hmm. I think this uh, theater at home digital release thing is here to stay, so... It's a different model, but I, th- I think we're going to have movies moving forward, even if we have to watch them in our individual movie viewing pods. We are going to have movies, for sure, but uh, especially with the HBO Max stuff that is happening, that we know of right now, yep. the game is changed. P.S. What the fuck is going on with Roku and HBO Max? Because HBO Max, you are fucking me over right now. I don't uh, appreciate it. Blame Roku. They, got, they tried to be tough with the negotiations. Same thing yeah, with so- Amazon. All right, Chumpzilla, what do you recommend? I'm going to make it quasi-political here and make another musical recommendation. Uh, Based on the current events right now, I'd like everybody to go back and revisit 1992's Rage Against the Machine. That is Rage Against the Machine's self-titled debut album. It's fantastic. It's very topical, and it still applies today. Uh, Go back, give it a listen, folks. That's all I got. All right, so I made a commitment to recommend only Nicolas Cage movies throughout this month. I was going to do Adaptation, which is one of his best performances, if not his, if not the best, as he plays two characters in it. Uh, but instead, I'm going to recommend that hidden gem from later in sort of his career, where he's doing a lot of bad movies, and that is Werner Herzog's Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. It is. A, it's a perfect cage vehicle because it is a morally conflicted and mostly not even gray character. Uh, a cop who's addicted to drugs. He's, he's doing all the wrong things on the job. And it's, a, it's the type of character Cage excels at, as in a guy that's, if not at the end of his rope, nearing the end of his rope. It's a good movie. Our buddy Val Kilmer is in it. Although, just kind of briefly, but he's good in it. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. It's free on Amazon Prime. It's a dynamite Nicolas Cage performance. Is that the Katrina movie? Yes. Post-Katrina. I would like to see the baby. Yeah. I would like to see the cage. Yeah. I would like to see the cagey. For you uh, younger listeners out there, Werner Herzog is not just the guy in The Mandalorian. He's also quite a prolific director. (laughs) I don't care. I would like to see the KG. Uh, so that's my that's my recommendation. And with that, good listeners, I would say Summer Rage with Nicolas Cage has come to an end, but it has not. Con Air is coming.
but not next week because we are carrying on our trend of when animals attack. And that series With begins. When movies where they actually attack. Yeah. And then, well, sort of. It might have been a little uh, early because the series is beginning with Chumpzilla's pick, which is... Howard the Duck, because this movie attacks our sensibilities. And whether you think it'd be cool if a man duck and lady probably have sex. Hashtag duck sex. Okay. Uh, so do my esteemed co Hashtag <laughs> fucks with ducks. Oh, God. You know what? Siri knows me entirely too well to think I'd be texting this much about ducks. That's all I'm saying. Oh, boy. Uh, so to my esteemed co-hosts, if we ever find ourselves adrift on a ship full of deadly, highly illegal animal cargo and a madman wants us all dead, you can be the bait. We'll see you next time. <laughs>